So you're probably all sitting thinking to yourselves, so what do we deserve to get this? The half nights will have to preach to us. That must be shocking. Well, listen, turn with me, if you will, to um, Mark chapter 1. Sorry, Mark chapter 5. Apologies. Mark chapter 5. And we're going from verses 1 to 20. Verses 1 to 20. Mark chapter 5, verses 1 to 20. Now the story on this is that, and just to put it into context, is that um, Jesus is in a boat with the disciples and they're crossing the, the Sea of Galilee. And he's lying sleeping in the back. And a really bad storm has risen up within the area. And the... It's, it's, pretty, it's pretty rough and, and the, the, the waves are coming up over the boat. It's getting really mad and the, the disciples are getting really crazily um, worried about what's going to happen and they waken Jesus up and Jesus is not happy about the fact that their faith is so bad and um, he just speaks to the wind and everything calms down um, and Jesus literally says to them, my goodness, is your faith this bad? You know, can you not have faith and then once he gets to the other side, he steps off the boat. And when he steps off the boat onto um, dry ground, where it stops, there are tombs and their graveyard there. And um, a crazy man comes out. And we take the story from there. So we're going to read from verse 1 in chapter 5. And they went across the lake to the region of the Gerasenes. And when Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an evil spirit, came from the tombs to meet them. And this man lived in the tombs, and no one could bind him um, anymore, not even with a chain. For he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. And when he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and he fell on his knees in the front of him. And he shouted at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? Swear to God that you won't torture me. For Jesus had said to him, Come out of this man, you evil spirit. Then Jesus asked him, What is your name? My name is Legion, he replied, For we are many. And he begged Jesus again and again not to send them out of the area. And a large herd of pigs was feeding in the the nearby hillside. And the demons begged Jesus, send us among the pigs and allow us to go into them. And he gave them permission. And the evil spirit came out and went into the pigs. The herd into the pigs and the herd about 2,000 in number rushed down the steep bank into the lake and were drowned. And those tending the pigs ran off and reported this to the town and the countryside. And the people went out to see what had happened. And when they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there dressed in, in his own right mind, and they were afraid. And those who had seen it had told the people what had happened to the demon-possessed man And told about the pigs as well. And then the people began to plea with Jesus to leave the region. And as Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed 
begged to go with him. And Jesus did not let him, but said, Go home to your family and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. And so the man went away and began to tell in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And all the people were amazed. And may the Lord bless that word to us as he brings it to us. Um, in that story, uh, the Lord has been really impressing that one on me for weeks. And, it, and I was thinking about the fact about the crazy man. And I'm wondering, have you ever met a crazy man or two in your time? And don't start pointing at me because that's not very nice. Um, you know what? When you read the story of this, you kind of have a lot of sympathy for that poor man. When you read the story of a man who is completely possessed by these demons and he's beginning to cut himself and do all sorts of things. I looked at the word lunatic just to see what it said because um, I've been reading a book by a, a, a writer called Max Lacaro and it's called He Still Moves Stones. And in that book he uses the word lunatic and it says here that it is an antiquated term referring to a person who has... Um, a mental illness, dangerous, foolish, crazy, whom has captive to demons. Um, it's interesting when you read that. But this man was completely tormented and he was self-destructive and he was really harming himself. And it's interesting when you see Jesus steps off the boat and immediately he steps off the boat. This man comes running out of the tombs down towards him, screaming at the top of his voice, what have you to do with me, Jesus, the Most High Son of God? Jesus, the Most High Son of God. And immediately when I, when I saw those words, Jesus, the Son of the Most High God, he gave him his full title. And it's interesting because Satan is telling the world that God is not true, is not real. And you've got all these people who are now... Um, going out and saying, oh, there's no such thing as a God. You don't want nothing to do with them. And, and, and all these people, they're either agnostic, you know what I mean, or, or they're just completely denying the Lord. Isn't it interesting that here is a man who's possessed by demons, who has, has had Satan in his life, yet these Satans right away, when they see Jesus, know him without being introduced. Jesus never took a business card out of his pocket and said, Hi, I'm Jesus, the most son of the most high. Um, he knew right away. Which goes to show you that Satan is the father of lies and he's lying to the world that God doesn't exist when he really does. Because he knows and respects the fact that he's there. This man was tormented. Absolutely tormented by these unclean spirits. And Jesus addresses him right away. And he says, come out of this man. And it's interesting when you read this because these demons start negotiating with Jesus on how it's going to happen. Because they're panicking. They are panicking about what's going to happen here. And it, it just amazes me about the authority Jesus has over these demons. And as I was sitting thinking about this, I was, I was, in, um, I was just thinking about this. I was thinking about a time whenever... I worked for an engineering company in between plumbing. When I was a plumber, I got paid off from time to time because there wasn't enough work. I took a job to work with an engineering company and right in the middle of all the troubles in Northern Ireland. So we were going around police stations and, and army barracks and we're working in them. We had to go to an army barracks. 
And the particular job we were asked to do was we had to change all the little, um, it, was, it was the dog, it was down in the dog section. And we had to change all of the dog pens to from chain link fence to these proper nice um, engineered like um, metal and you know great doors and everything on them it was super job. It was going to be a really much better way of doing things. When we arrived down to, they had about ten, sorry, about eight eight pens, and there were about four dogs in some of the pens. Now, as soon as we arrived, the dogs went absolute boogaloo, and they were rawr, 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 they were barking them, they're going nuts. And, you know, you, you had eight hours of listening to dogs barking all day. Oh, my word. It would drive you absolutely insane. But eventually the dogs calmed down and some of them just went into their kennels and that was the end of it, except one dog. And his name was Major. And I named him Major Payne because that dog barked all day long. And I was, oh, I did everything. At lunchtime, I went over with my sandwiches and I talked real nice to him. Hello, how you doing, wee dog? I said, lovely boy, aren't you? And he was doing everything, and he was having none of it. He was jumping at the fence at me. I took some of my sandwich, and I threw it in there, and I said, look, some sandwiches. I'm your friend. Having none of it. He barked, and he barked, and he barked. Anyway, we were using grinders, and we were using um, settling torches, because we had to cut the metal out, and, you know, we had kango hammers and drills and everything, and I'm sure this really antagonized him even more, which it probably did. But what was interesting was, at about four in the afternoon, the dog handlers came down into the section, and they came down to feed the dogs and clean them out and give them fresh water and what have you. And as soon as they arrived, the dogs had a lovely calmness, because they knew who he was. But the major guy, no, he wasn't having none of it. He was just going nuts. You know, he was barking. It was a black Labrador. And, and he was jumping at the fence and he was going absolutely bananas. And the dog handler had gone round all of them and eventually he came to major. And as he walked in, he opened the little door into the pen. The dog went for him. Now the dog was so antagonised, he went for the handler. Now, I immediately jumped back because I thought, if this dog gets out, he's coming for me because I've been annoying him all day, you know. He's going he's gonna to come look me, you know. So immediately I'm jumping up on two things to get away in case he comes out, you know. But what amazed me was the dog handler didn't run away from him. The dog handler had food in his hand, dropped the whole lot, and he went right down into the dog's face. I mean, he right into the dog. And I'm going to interpret what the guy said without the expedifs, okay? And he said, you naughty boy. He said, how dare you come to me like this? Do you know who I am? And the dog sort of went like this. And he cowed away. And he went into his little kennel out of the road. And that was the end of it. And I mean, this guy had total authority over Major. He was having none of it. And so he cleaned out his pen. And he gave him nice food and good fresh water. And, and off he went. And... That was it. Major became a different dog for about a few minutes. And as soon as he left, he went off again. He was jumping at the fence. And he was going nuts. And So I thought, you know what? I saw what that man was doing. I saw what the dog handler's doing. I can do this. I could go down and do this. Now, I didn't open the pen. No, I wasn't going to be that stupid. No, 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 no. I went down to the fence and I looked at him and I said, You listen to me. You've been doing this all day, my, my head's going nuts, you stop that, get you into your kennel and that'll do you and that's the end of it. And he jumped at the fence and he went rah, 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 and the slobbers were flying out of him and I thought, well that's not going to work, is it? 
But it showed me something. The authority that the dog handler had over the dog was amazing. And here we see Jesus has authority over this man. He says to him, you know, he says, he asked him, what is your name? Now that's interesting because he said, we are a legion. Now if you look up what legion is, legion is a Roman, if you look at the, the word for Roman army, it's between five and 6,000 soldiers in a legion. Some of the commentators reckon that perhaps maybe this um, demons, these demons were trying to portray the fact that there was more of them and trying to intimidate Jesus. Uh, but it didn't do that at all because the, de- the demons knew right away they had no chance with the authority of God. And there were 2,000 pigs and you can imagine all these demons were going into the pigs and then disappearing into the water. And it says they violently went down into the sea and they drowned. And so the demons are begging him saying, send us to the swine that we may enter them. And at once Jesus gave them permission, the unclean spirits to disappear and to go into these pigs. And as I said, they vanity ended up dying in the sea. Now Jesus probably asked the name to get the full extent of what was going on, but he knew, he already knew he had authority. That to me is incredible, that he had authority. And... And I love what Max Lacaro says, and he puts it in this book. He says, um, for a few minutes, the invisible conflict becomes visible. And we are offered a front row seat to see the battle as it goes along. But do you know what was interesting about that? What was interesting about that, like I said before, the, the evil spirits began to panic because they knew what was coming. That's incredible. They began to they began to panic because they knew what was going to happen. What else also was interesting about that um, was the fact that whenever Jesus was talking to them, what were the disciples doing? Nothing. The disciples were doing nothing. They were standing there watching it. They were standing watching what was going on and they, they did nothing. And sometimes that's exactly what we need to do. We need to step back and let God do his thing. Step back. And do nothing but let the Lord take over and do his thing. Perhaps at the time whenever I was looking at Major the dog in there, the handler came in, he, he absolutely reigned authority over the dog and the dog didn't come back at him again, he disappeared. Perhaps I should have just left it at that and let Major just go on because the man who had authority was able to fix it. The disciples did nothing. They simply watched Can you relate to that? Are you watching as a world is getting out of control? Look at it. Look at the world we're in right now and how it's going and the way way it seems to be completely out of control. I think Max Elcaro puts a brilliant, lovely, has this lovely illustration about him and his father used to go out and they used to go fishing and they'd go out on a wee boat out on, on this lake that they were that they would commonly go out on. And he said, one of the days they went out fishing, he said, the weather came in very, very quickly. He said, there would be mountains and the shore behind them. And he said, they had their fishing rods. And he said, his dad was at the tiller and, you know, the throttle and he was making the boat. And all of a sudden, all these clouds started coming down. The fog come down onto the water. They couldn't see the shore. He said, the wind started to pick up. He could hear the thunder and the rain was really belting down. And he said, like, he only had a T-shirt on. And the rain was hitting down so hard that it was stinging his face and his neck. 
And he said he looked, he looked around and he was holding on to either side of the boat. He said, absolutely frightened, stupid. And as he looked around, he couldn't see any of the shore. He was looking back and forwards. There was nothing. And he said the more he looked, the worse he was starting to feel, the more frightened he became. And all of a sudden, he looked at his dad. And his dad was holding the tiller of the boat. And he said his, his, his shirt was, was stuck to his skin. He could see his skin and his baseball cap. And he said he could see the water coming off the bill of his hat, coming down. But his dad had his face sternly looking towards. And he said all of a sudden he realized, he said, all I need to do is look at my dad, the father. He said, I just need to look at him. And he said, that's all he did. He just kept looking at his dad the whole time. And he said the boat came back into land again. And he said he felt so secure. That's what we need to do, is look at the Father. Look to God. Are you frightened? Is there something going on in your life right now that really is upsetting you? Then you need to look to the Father. Those thousands of pigs were drowned that day and and they just simply went in to the sea because the demons were taken out of that man into those pigs and they disappeared. It shows you the authority that God has. Demon possession, is a, that's a conversation and a, and a sermon for another time. But it's really unfortunate just because the Western church don't talk about these things. They never talk about the powers and the principalities. It's interesting when you hear authority that there is in this. When you read the Bible, you see for yourself the authority that God has and the constant battle that's going on between the powers and the principalities and God's wonderful angels. You read um, Daniel chapter 10, you'll see that whenever Daniel was waiting on the word from God and the angel was being sent down with the battle plan, the prince of Persia stopped that angel. He stopped him for 23 days. And God sent the principal angel, Michael, to go deal with the prince of Persia. And as soon as that happened, that major battle in the sky was going on. The principal angel Michael comes, he swipes Satan out of the way. Down goes the angel with the battle plan to tell Daniel what's going on. Doesn't that show you something? When you read into the story of, in Mark chapter 5, you read that the the, the one thing that the demons were afraid of most of all was that that Jesus would send them into the abyss. You know when you read about in in, in the scriptures and it tells us that um, the principal angel Michael is going to come, he's going to get Satan and tie him up in chains and throw him into the abyss so we'll never see him again. The principal angel Michael has a lot of work to do. When you read in the Bible, the very few angels actually have names. Obviously you know about Gabriel and you've heard about Michael and there are a few others. But Michael is the principal angel in heaven, as was Lucifer. And Lucifer is Satan, and he was the son of the morning, the man who was in charge of music in heaven. And here he is, and the authority of God is really being sealed here. And every day and every minute of our day, there is a battle going on in heaven between the powers and the principalities of Satan and the angels, and they're doing it all for us, to protect us. You hear me pray those prayers in here where I say, Lord, will you, will you cover us in the blood of the Lamb? Will you surround this place with your mighty angels? That's the reason why, because there is a battle going on to take us away from God. There is a battle going on to, to stop you from 
receiving that wonderful blessing and the ministry God has for you. And here God tells us about the amazing authority. Number one, we have got to look to the Father. Number two, we've got to recognize the authority is with God. We are not ever without authority. God says, listen, I am here for you. I will always be here for you. You will never be alone. I will be there for you. When we can call upon those angels that God gives us. And as Christians, we have an army at our hands. They're just at our back and call whenever you want them. The demons didn't even challenge that day, which I thought was rather interesting. The demons didn't even challenge. That man came running out. He said, you know, who are you to come to me, Jesus, son of the most high? Once again, he gives him his full title. Once again, he says to him, we know who you are. We know we're in trouble. You have authority. We can't stay. In the name of Jesus, he has to go. You remember the old school, the Sunday school song we used to sing in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, demons will have to go. You know that one? That's what that means, in the name of Jesus. Can you relate to what's happening today? Struggling to see sometimes where you're going because Satan's been giving you a hard time. Who is he to give you a hard time? I was saying this to somebody not so long ago. I think it was, was it you, Christina? I can't remember. I was saying, you're a princess. You're royalty. Who is Satan to give you a hard time? We are royalty. Who is Satan to give us a hard time? And sometimes it happens. For six whole weeks, I was struggling myself through all sorts of problems with stress at work. And this wonderful church prayed for me. Sometimes when you can't pray for yourself, you've got to get others to lift you up in prayer and carry you. That's it. That's quintessential for the brothers and sisters in Christ. When you can't pray for yourself, get your brothers and sisters to lift you up in prayer and pray for you. That's very important. Sometimes it's important that you just sit there and don't pray and just let the others pray for you. And eventually you start feeling like you really want to get up and going. Six weeks ago, I couldn't have done this. But God's good. God's good. He's he's got the authority. He's got the power. God has got the power. Isn't it strange when you think about it? When you read that wee bit at the end, and this is the bit that used to get me every time I read this, the people asked Jesus to leave. Do you ever think about that? Jesus is doing some really good stuff here. And the people are really worried. Why would you want to leave? Why would you want to ask the Son of God who's there and he's blessing you to leave? Max Elcato puts it really good. Sorry for going back and over this, but I mean, he puts it really wonderfully well, better than I can in, in a sense. But here's what he says right on this. He says on that, He says that um, what would cause people to prefer pigs and lunatics over the presence of God? Or better, he said, what would cause an alcoholic to prefer drunken misery over sobriety? What would cause a church to prefer slumber over revival? What would cause a nation to prefer slavery over freedom? What would cause people to prefer yesterday's traditions over today's living God? The answer? Fear of change. 
Change is hard work. And it's easier to follow the same old path than to move out to uncharted territories. And so the people dismiss Jesus. Fear of change. And that is a fact. I've been to churches. I've preached in churches. And people are afraid of change. I think it comes with age as well. Merlin says that I'm starting to get to that stage where I'm getting to the part where I'm afraid of change. That I don't like change. And I'm hoping I'm not because it's the one thing I've prayed about all my Christian walk. Is that I would become as relevant um, to Christians, to young Christians around me and older ones as well. When I'm in my late years as I was when I was in my 20s. I don't want to be that person that becomes fear of change. Or sit back and say, well, I'd like to sit over that side of the church because that's my seat. You ever walk into a church and sit in someone's seat who's been sitting there for years? Oh, that's a good one. Change. These people were worried about change and they were fearing change. Never fear change. And it's not a case of change for change's sake. Because um, maybe I've told you the story before, but in a place I used to work in, this guy used to get salmon sandwiches every day for his lunch. And I could never understand why. And we used to call it the sandwich exchange in work. Because we felt sorry for him because his mum used to buy bulk in salmon in, the, salmon, in, in the, the cans. And every day he would salmon and he would say, boys, anybody willing to change? <laughs> and I quite like salmon. So I maybe would have ham sandwiches or I would have had maybe egg and onion or ham and cheese or whatever. You know, I would say, yeah, I'll change with you, no problem. And one day I said to him, why don't you tell your mum you don't want any more um, salmon sandwiches? And he said, I'm afraid to, he said, because... My problem was I told her I liked it and now I've got it ever since. (laughs) But that's understandable. You know, if you get the same thing every day, it becomes really monotonous and you become turned off from it and you completely don't want it anymore. So variety is a great thing. And I think God knows this about us because he created us. And he created us not to be stuck in our ways, but to get up and go and do things. My My uncle John went to Australia very young in life. And he worked for the government, and what he did, he was a a maintenance uh, joiner. But he had this great job of going out into the outback. And he went to all the little schools in the outback, and he would stay for weeks in them, and he would prepare jobs, and he would do them. But he had a Land Rover. And he used to tell me about driving into the outback where there's no proper roads, just muck tracks. And he said sometimes these roads would have ruts in them. And there would be a sign, and the sign would say, pick your rut, and you'd have to stay in it. And he said, like, you'd be going back and forwards. And, and he would meet the Aborigines. And, and, and he would, uh, these people would have wonderful gemstones. And he, he said he would want to buy them, but they didn't want to buy them. They would want jam sandwiches for an exchange for these lovely gems. And he would show me some of them. And it was a great experience, but the ruts, really, that, that said something to me. I remember him telling me these stories and showing me these great photographs of Australia in the, in the outbacks. And he'd say... Nigel, he said, when you get into those ruts, he said, boy, you've got to stay there. He said, and some of them are quite tall, you know. And he said, like, the Land Rover would be bouncing back and forwards. We can get stuck in a rut. And God says to us here, and I think he's saying it very clearly, as these people are saying, Jesus, we don't want you here. Please, will you leave? Isn't it sad that churches, that's actually happening in churches. Jesus is leaving because where he's not wanted, he will get into the boat and disappear. Jesus is a gentleman, and if you don't want him, 
he would not hang about. God's a gentleman. He'll, if you say to him, Lord, I don't want you, he will, he will go away. You know, when, when I was to be sitting on, on building sites and people say, where's your God now, Nigel? Where's your God now, Nigel? Look at those people who are starving in Africa. And I would say, hold on a second. There's enough food in the world to, three, to feed it three times over. Man's inhumanity to man and, and, and the whole idea that poverty out there, well, poverty is man-made. My God's still here. My God is there for you if you want them. How true it is that we dismiss God sometimes in our lives. And, and here one, and then the three points that I just want to bring very quickly over and I'm finishing here. Keep your eye on the Father. Keep your eyes on the Father. Look at him. Don't look at what's going on around you, but keep your eyes on the Father. Secondly, God's in authority. Remember that. You're not alone. Keep your eyes on the Father again. Thirdly, when Jesus says, if you don't want me, I'll go away. But if you want me, I'm going to be there. Ask him. Talk to him. If you're struggling with things in life, come and see the fellowship in here. We have a prayer meeting here on a Tuesday night and we pray a lot. And these prayer meetings are filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. I can tell you they are amazing prayer meetings. I wouldn't miss it, not for the world on a Tuesday night. What authority we have in the name of Jesus in this place. This church, I've said before, is the house of restoration. It restores people's lives and it will restore yours. And if you're out there and you're listening to this message and you're having a problem, then ask us and we'll pray for you. And we'll not just pray about it. We will fervently bring it to the Lord and speak through the Holy Spirit. We will talk to God and ask on your behalf. Look to the Father. We have authority. Look at the authority Jesus did. He walked in and he looked at demons and he said, out. And they had to go. Wow. How amazing is that? What a God we serve. Out. Just like that. Out. And that's the authority he gives to us in his name. And may the Lord bless you as you hear that message today. Let's pray. Okay, let's pray. Lord, thank you for your authority. Thank you for the message that you've given to us today that through your word, Lord, we have tremendous authority. Through your name, Lord, we can command demons to leave. Father, through your name, Lord, we can see things change and prayer changes things. So, Lord, for whoever's listening to this message today, whoever's here today and they're struggling, Father, will you bless them where they are right now? Lord, will the power of your Holy Spirit just fall on those people where they are right this minute? And Lord, will you bless them in the name of Jesus through the authority that you have given to us? Lord, will you just come upon the folk who are struggling right now, Lord, with all sorts of problems? Lord, will you put the sense that you are going to change them, Lord? You're going to bless them and you're going to make things better for them, Lord. Father, thank you for your authority. Thank you for what you've done to us. And in the name of Jesus, Lord, we pray, we lift ourselves and those who are around us to you now in prayer. And we ask your blessing. Amen.